0: And we're back from the blue corner my name is Dennis and this week we are gonna try something a little different by that I mean um you know over the past few episodes I've reached out to fighters and uh you know some fighters have reached out to me coaches and and so forth but uh a couple of weeks back I had Jim on the show and uh I got bombarded by requests to have a certain guest on um He's had a lot of experience in in, in the uh, mixed martial arts scene, not only here but uh, globally. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time in hair and makeup, and uh, yeah, he's one of the most well-respected refs that our country has seen. I I am talking about none other than uh, John Sharp. How have you been? How has lockdown been treating you? And how's the fam?
1: Excellent, mate. How are you, Dennis? I'm good. Yeah, no, lockdown, lockdown hasn't affected us at all. I mean, I, I work in a, a steel manufacturing business in Western Sydney. and uh, we, we, we produce hot steel, put it on trucks every single day, and, and yeah, lockdown hasn't affected us at all. It has it stopped the fight, so I've only refed one, uh, one show this year. Family's well. Family's good. I've got two beautiful little grandsons, uh, uh, Gideon and Lorenzo. And, uh, they're a handful.
0: Well, I guess that's that's the positive out of this lockdown. I mean, you always got to find a silver lining, and I guess you know you have been able to spend time with the family now. Um, but talking about refing one fight, I mean the the hot topic, I guess, is um, I think it was at the end of last year. I think it was the Melbourne UFC card. Uh, you had announced your retirement, um, and then you bounced back, and you actually came back out of retirement now i know there's a kind of a trend with fighters that they go in and out of retirement uh where are you at the moment are we retired are we not retired because yeah as you said you have refed only the one show this year but obviously for for a re- retired person that's one show too many
1: Yeah, well, that was in that was in melbourne i had every intention to retire i was i was i was done so i was making that my, my my last gig you know and i refed uh, dan dan hooker versus ally Quinner on the co-main and i was i was done and they, they presented me with this beautiful big autograph poster and stuff and wish wished me well and i got back home and a couple of weeks later i started getting emails from from the the uk via las vegas saying all right we got the new zealand show coming up if uh, and And uh, we will be trying to talk you out into coming out of retirement. And I had a whole bunch of very persuasive friends in New Zealand. And uh, how can you turn down a New Zealand trip, right? That's
0: true. I mean, I grew up uh, in New Zealand and I always love going back when I get the chance. Um, But did they only persuade you for the one show? Like, if I was to ask you right now, are you an active referee or are you back in
1: retirement? I'm an active referee. Yeah, I'm 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 back. I'm gonna am I'm gonna carry on. We don't get that many shows here here anyhow, and uh, with the whole covered thing going on, um, it might be a while before we before we see another show here.
0: See, I thought you you might have even taken the uh, Joe Rogan route, which is you know uh, if the UFC calls, you'll take that. But then you know for the regional shows or whatever, you 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 might take that time. Off, I guess you know when Joe Rogan said he'll do pay-per-views and but he won't do any other kind of show. So I thought maybe you'd take that route as well. But if uh, we get national shows back up and running, which obviously is what everybody wants, uh, will we be seeing you in the cage?
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, there's no show too too big or small, and uh, even at amateur level, they still do. They still need and deserve the same. Uh, level of officiating as there's the top guys
0: nice so let's just quickly touch on the lockdown like I don't want to make this about obviously the COVID but it is obviously the one thing that everyone's going through right now how do you how does it stand with you are you uh, a mask on or a mask off kind of guy or are you uh as as they would say stay at home or you know get in the neutral corner or are you the type of person like let's get on with it and enjoy the fight
1: no, I just crack on. Nothing's changed, nothing's changed for me. Not 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 a thing, you know. There was a period there where we were in lockdown and I was unable to visit my grandchildren uh, for for a little bit, but um no nothing's changed for me.
0: And you've also used this time just with your family, right? Because I, I you know, I I do keep an eye on things and I saw you did a little trip out to I think it was the Blue Mountains not not so long ago or maybe it was it was it an old trip that you just posting the photos now.
1: No, it was a recent trip. Recent trip. Uh that was only two uh two Wednesdays ago. We went up to the Blue Mountains and um you, you gotta you gotta get out. You gotta get out. You don't have to be in people's faces, but you got you gotta get out.
0: Okay, nice. So I have to ask like where do you get your fan base from? Because as I said, like this this is all new to me where people are reaching out, you know, and, and When I say that, there were definitely multiple people that reached out and they all said, you need to get Sharpie on, right? One even said, he said, "Um, do you think you can interview Sharpie? I'd love to hear some of his stories and thoughts. He's such an interesting and lovely guy and my favourite Aussie referee. I'm so sad he has retired, which obviously you haven't now. But where are you getting these people from or are you paying them off? What's going on?
1: I, I I had no idea I had a fan, fan fan base at all. I'm 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 just an average guy from Sydney's West, uh, trying to do a good job when 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 the job comes about. Um, the fans. I've been doing this stuff for 15 years, and this is the first time I've ever uh, done a done a spoken interview with, 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 with anybody. I think I done a written interview with uh, Richie Cranny in 2013 from China. Like we done it we done it via text. The interview. So I don't know. I don't know where they're coming from.
0: Nice. Um, so fifteen years, um, multiple organisations. You've, you've. I mean, how many fights do you reckon you've done in, in, in that amount of time?
1: Five hundred and forty-one fights.
0: That's very precise. It is. Like do, 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 do do you count? Like, is that exact? Like, do you count every single
1: fight? Every single fight I've counted, and that's five hundred and forty-one. Uh, uh five hundred and forty-one from New Zealand nice and um
0: what the beginning how how did it all start because you know like you you see a lot of these officials um you know they're either ex-fighters and, and 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 things like that and uh, you know you've told me that you train in jiu jitsu, but it's it's never like being a case of you know you converting from a fighter across to now an official after you've retired so and i and i guess also 15 years what what are we talking 2005 um the sport is still very new and fresh like how how did your journey begin i guess uh what was your why as they always say we're fighters um
1: and yeah how, how did you even get your foot in the door in, uh, in, in 2005, I'd just finished doing my whole bodybuilding, bodybuilding thing. I competed as an amateur in bodybuilding. And I wanted to try something different. And uh, a friend of mine who was working for Steve Percival at the time, she said her husband was training there, and, and she said, uh, you ever tried BJJ? I didn't really know what BJJ was. And uh, she said, come on down. I was like 116 kilos. When I when I first walked on the mats and and boy didn't didn't I learn real real, real quick, so I walked out of there and uh, went home and tail tucked. You know, it was sixty kilograms, seventy kilogram guys beat me up. I walked in there thinking I was going to pick guys up and throw them out the window. It wasn't the case. Jiu-jitsu is another world. Um. Then I was one-stripe, two-stripe, white belt under Steve Percival. And Steve Percival had just had been reffing shows for a year or so and he needed a hand on a show. And he said, uh, he said, you like all that MMA, cage-fighting stuff? And I, and I said, yeah, yeah I do, because I was a big Pride fan um, back then. He said, can you come and give me a hand on a show? So backstage, uh, tape, tape taping up hands and looking through cracks to see what's going on out out, out there in the ring. You, uh, nine times out of ten, it was a roped off ring back then because we had a lot of mixed shows, uh, K1 kickboxing, MMA.
0: And looking looking back on it, I guess from those shows to what they are now, what are some of the I guess major differences that 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 you see? Because I mean, you know, like. You know, they, they they talk about mixed martial arts being the fastest growing sport in the world now and, and you know, it's got a lot of eyes on it. Um, but then, you know, some people like yourself, as you said, pride and, and stuff like that, like it has changed over time. Like even to the point when you look at, I guess, the original UFCs with, you know, their rules, their their weight classes, their this and that. But like even on the local scene, what are what are some of the kind of like major differences you've seen over time?
1: Uh, major differences... Uh definitely officiating i think in the early days we had a lot of boxing kickboxing referees uh, refereeing mma and the advantages and disadvantages on the ground the early stand-ups and stuff like that because they didn't understand the ground game and now we've got more dedicated uh jiu-jitsu mma uh referees doing doing the job now and i think that's made a world of difference
0: and with that first show did you officiate or when when you say you you came along to help was it like uh, cuz I remember when I was talking to Jimmy he was saying that his first assignment was to just check the gloves backstage you know sign off on them I forgot what he called it there's there's a term for it he he said it was I don't know and he said and then he'd walk walk them out to the cage make sure they're not greased up and stuff like that what was the path the same for you, or did you get thrown straight into the cage and and you know uh, take charge?
1: No, it was very similar for me. I was backstage backstage for a, a number number of gigs, doing all the bits and pieces out there, and then uh, Steve Percival and myself went to a Nick Stone show over at Manly, and there was it was a mixed show uh, K one kickboxing, and there was one MMA bout on the card, and uh, this was uh, August two thousand and seven. And Steve said, uh, how do you feel about reffing? And I went, I'll give it a go. Not knowing what to do, of course. And uh, it was Richard Walsh. Uh, I forget what his opponent's name was, but this uh, he'll, he'll remember this. And uh, the right person won. And uh, here, uh, here we are. And um, <coughs> I guess...
0: You know, has there ever been moments when, when right now, when when you say the right person won, has has there ever been moments where, you know, I I asked him the same thing where you kind of, not second guess yourself, but like, um, you know, at the moment it, there's always this like, you know, does a fight finish too 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 late, um, which was. A couple of weeks ago, as I say, with the Herb Dean Dan Hardy, which I spoke to with Jim, or does it? I guess with Dominic Cruz, where you know he was complaining that the fight got finished too early. Like, is there ever is there ever moments where I guess I don't know you, you kind of you doubt yourself, or do you always
1: like uh, back yourself? I guess I go I go through the shoulda woulda couldas after every single show because if I'd have done this it would have changed the outcome of the fight if I'd have done that it could have changed the outcome of the fight Um, there's no bigger critics on us than ourselves when it it comes to refereeing or or judging we we genuinely care about what we're doing we care about the sport so all the keyboard warriors out there beating us all up don't don't think that we're not back in a hotel room somewhere beating ourselves up uh, on on occasions you know, not n- Nine times out of ten, I walk away from a show going, that was fantastic. But There'll always be that odd occasion where I go, I try and redo the fight in my head and say, if I'd have done it this way, would it have turned out that way? If I'd have stopped it sooner, if I'd have stopped it later. We always question ourselves. Do you ever lose sleep over it? Uh I've lost sleep over a couple of fights. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think every referee and judge out there. I think there's fights that will live in their their mind forever. I have I have a, I have a couple myself that uh, I I think about and look back on from time to time, and I try and try not to rewrite those uh, errors in judgment. And
0: it, and is it because um, I guess the the fights that do stick with you is it more to do with. Uh where they happen in your career coming up or is it is it just because of how they eventuated? And what I mean by that is, like, do you, you know, like, obviously, Jimmy was saying that, uh, for instance, his most nerve-wracking fight was his first fight, not, say, the Melbourne one, which was in front of 57,000 people on and then pay-per-view and everything like that because it was his first fight rather than the biggest fight he's ever done. and And he said, because even at that time and then and then he was saying that the first UFC fight he did he had that same feeling again and he was like I I had ref so many fights but the first time he got into that UFC cage he felt like oh oh this is this is like my first fight all over again pretty much because those nerves did you ever have those kind of moments
1: every show i get nervous before every show i'm nervous 10 seconds before the fight starts but 10 seconds into it i'm good so uh, if you're the first fight on a main card, uh, for example, on a UFC, and th- there's a lot of times where I've, I've been that guy, and you know everybody's just turned on their TV sets, right? Bruce Buffer walks out to the middle of the cage and says, we are live," and your heart just starts going, boom, 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 boom here we go. But then uh, once he leaves the cage, the cameras leave the cage, okay, and the door shuts, uh, I pretend there's nobody else out there. It's just me and the fighters. And with the UFC, I'll just
0: quickly segue to something. I've been asked to ask you a question, and that is, why do you always choose to wear such tight shirts?
1: Uh, that would be Howie.
0: <laughs> that was actually going to be the second part of my question. Do you know who that would be? But
1: <laughs> yeah, Howie, Howie Booth. He's always into us because uh, we we done back to back shows there in, in in New Zealand, and we we work for a show called um, Eternal. You, uh, from Perth, the guys from Perth and uh, and and the Gold Coast, Cam O'Neill and and, and uh, Ben Vickers. So we'd done the show the day before, and they didn't have any two XL shirts for 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 Mark Craig and myself. Uh, so we only had XLs, and these things were skin tight, man. They showed it. They showed everything. So how he's been into us ever since for our our buff shirts.
0: And so looking back at I guess your last fifteen years, what what are your, some of your um favorite moments like you know whether it be on the national scene um obviously you've done a lot of stuff overseas as well um you know is it the ufc Uh, like just looking back what what are some of the highlights i guess of your journey
1: i well i didn't not never intended on getting into uh mma officiating it all started off with bjj and i joined bjj to uh, stay fit learn a few cool things and meet a whole bunch of cool people. and I've done that and that's led to MMA and it's taken me halfway around the world and, and uh, I've got friends in all bunches of places now. You know I've got a good friend over in the UK, Leon Roberts. and uh, look, we, we meet up maybe once every six months, once every 12 months, but it's like we, it's like we never left off. It was like we seen each other yesterday, you know we all, we all talk to one another. The people you meet along the way.
0: And with all the countries that you visited, is uh, is there any that particularly stick out?
1: Uh, stick out in which way?
0: Culture, just the experience. Oh, China, China. Like I, I, I've been, I, I've been told that you're a man of many stories, and I'm just trying to get <laughs> so, get some of your stories, you know. But like, no, just like the experience, the culture, the the people. I, I don't know. Like, you know, is is there? Well, I know. Where, is there moments where you have to pinch yourself and you're like, I can't believe that? I guess. Reffing these fighters, refing people wanting to punch on ha- has got me here.
1: Well, I literally said, I'll never fly and I'll never visit another country. And two weeks later, Steve Percival goes, hey, Johnny, you got a passport? We're going to Singapore. And I'm like, Singapore, are you kidding me? So we went and done a series over there called Martial Combat. And the first time we went to Singapore and, re- and ref that, we-, we actually didn't like it. Like you walk out of the airport doors and it's like the uh, the heat from the sun just you're walking into a cloud of heat. It's very, very hot over there. By the time we finished the last show, we wanted to go back, and which we did. We went back and visited visited the uh, country again to watch to watch one FC. We actually sat in the crowd and watched a show, which was uh, which was interesting. But uh, yeah, Northern China, uh, Shenyang was a was was a trip. Um, we were the only we were the only uh, Western people in 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 Northern China at the time, so. Yeah, imagine the looks we got up up there. That's where the TV studio was. Uh, six, six weeks in, the, in there, uh, uh, temperatures ranging from minus three to about five or six degrees every morning. It was pretty cool. So six weeks, why, why, why six weeks? So obviously that wasn't for
0: an event, right? No. So what were you over no, there? No, that was
1: the ultimate fighter. It was China, China versus China. And uh, we had a fight every, th- every three days there was a fight and then uh, two, two days of waiting around and then three days later there was a fight and then two days of waiting around.
0: So do you get much privy on, on those series? Like, Because obviously you know, at the beginning the show was also about all this sort of commotion that happens in the house or you're not privy to that at all? You just disappear for two days, come back, ref, disappear? Or, or how, how does the whole kind of programming work in, in, from your perspective?
1: Yeah, well, we we done the the, the Smashes series here in Sydney, uh, in two thousand and twelve, Australia versus the, the United Kingdom, and uh, no, we're not we're not privy to any of that stuff at all. We just go in there and do our job, and we're we we gone again. Uh, what happens in the house, we don't we don't see until until you guys see it. It's funny that that Smashes series was the first time
0: uh, I I was able to get an interview with uh, Robert Whittaker, up at um, in Queensland. And it was it was funny, um, just a side note, because I remember he was he was he was pretty young then, like he was a young kid, right? Um, and I remember just seeing him walk in the mall, and I was like, "Hey, dude, you mind giving us a couple of minutes of your time for an interview?" And I remember at the time, he was just like, "You want to interview me?" Like he was just so like stunned by it all, right? He was just like, "Really, me? Why me?" Kind of thing, because um, we were actually up there for Chad Mendes. Um, and then, as I said, I just randomly seen him, or maybe it was the lobby or something like that. But just to think about like this this kid, and he was kind of shy at the time. Um, and then, you know, we all know now he's he's become the world champion. Obviously, he's lost the belt now, but it, it's just you know, I look back at that time, and I'm like, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. But um, yeah, I, I guess. Which series did you enjoy more, the Smashers or the, the, the Asian, the China versus China? Definitely the, sma- the Smashers series, yeah. yeah. A- and is that because, you know, being a proud Aussie or is it, it, was it just an easier... I mean, I guess being the Smashers, you would have been able to stay at home a lot of the time, right? Correct. And um, with the China one as well, like, did they give you, like, an interpreter or how... So spending six weeks over there... Do you speak Chinese?
1: I got a, I got, a, I got a handful of words. We, do, I know enough to get to get by. So the the China versus China series, yeah, there there, there was interpreters and stuff, and and uh, but the MMA anywhere in this world, there's always going to be that that language barrier. I mean, uh, how do you tell a non English speaking person to stop hitting the back of the head? Right, that's what a lot of the audience and the, the keyboard warriors don't understand. A lot, nine times out of ten, we're dealing with non English speaking people. So we've got to find little tricks and our own little ways of saying, hey, you know, don't hit the back of the head, don't grab the cage, don't grab the shorts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, speaking a little bit of a lot of languages, which I, I do, it's, it's been very helpful because when you walk out to the, the backstage, you introduce yourself as the referee to, the, to, to whoever's fighting, and then you find out right away whether they're speaking English or not. You look for a translator. There's usually, there's usually one available.
0: Yeah, crazy, um, and have has there ever been a moment where, I guess, not so much backstage, or I guess in the cage where things have got lost in translation, like, you know, ha, ha, has there ever been a moment where, I don't know, you've caught a fight, and, but the fighter keeps going because he's, he didn't understand, or, or I, I don't know, I, I guess anything, or, you know, you trying to get someone to, to stop holding onto the cage,
1: but... They just don't understand you? Has yes. there ever been moments of lost in translation? <laughs> yes, when we were in China, when we done the China versus China series. And a lot of those guys, uh, how the story goes, they were the third pick for the UFC because the first pick, they were the third pick. The first pick and the second pick were already making money for their families on the local circuit. So these, these, the, the, the third pick, uh, one guy was, uh, he, was a, he was a Muay Thai fighter and uh the other guy's a grappler he's he's uh picked him up went to turn around and take him and slam him over in his corner and and this guy's got a hold of the cage with with with, with both hands and he ain't letting go and i'm up there smack 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 let go of the cage let go of the cage let go of the cage so yeah it gets difficult at times
0: and i have to ask going back to howie now he um he, he he was actually one of the guys that reached out and said i should get you on um he also sent me a clip and he said this was a classic Sharpie moment and it was you debating, I forgot which fighter it was, but you debating in the cage because of a point deduction, right? And I, I think, I mean, it was only a five-second clip that he sent me, but I think from what it was, it was probably a groin shot or whatever. And he was arguing with you that it was the first time and and you <laughs> You're like no
1: three times. <laughs> no three times. What What was going on there? Oh, mate, that was that was in Japan. Like I was. It took me ten years to get to Japan, and I think uh, uh, anybody who's in martial arts, I, I've read it somewhere before that there's a there's a longing to go to Japan, and uh, finally I made it there. And I refereed uh, Teruda Ishihara versus Rolando Die. Okay, that's the one. Rolando. Rolando Die. Anyways, he's uh, he's clipped him in the groin in the first round, so I had to warn him, you know, look like watch your shots and stuff. Okay, okay, no worries, no worries. Second round, uh, a knee to the groin. I think it was a knee, knee, yeah. And uh, and I said, come on, man. I said, uh, watch your shots. That's that's your second warning. And uh, in the third round, like it was, there was no turn on the kick for an inside thigh kick or nothing like that. It was straight up the pipe. And you heard the crowd. The crowd will tell you right away. You just heard the crowd unanimously go, Oh, Ishihara's on the ground, rolling around, hanging onto his junk. And uh, I'm like, there's only two outcomes that are going to happen out of this. Depends on Ishihara. So I went over to talk to uh, Rolando Dyer and I said, stay in the neutral corner, just wait there. And I go over and I make sure Ishihara's okay. And uh, he holds his shorts out, and he wants to show me something. I don't, know, I don't know what he's showing me, and I look down. And I go, oh, "That's great, mate. Uh, can you continue to fight?" And he goes, "Yes." And I go over to Orlando Die, and uh, I said, "That's, uh, I'm, I'm taking, am taking a point off you." He I said that, uh, that's. He said, "No, no, no, no." He said, "He said it's only one time," and I said, "It's three times, one point balls." And a lot of the time, you forget you're mic'd up, right? Aussie judges, Kiwi judges, uh, Aussie Kiwi referees and stuff like that, right? So I probably should have said groin, but I said balls. And I went around all three judges, one point, balls, one point, balls, one point, balls. I got back to my phone that day and uh, I've got a whole bunch of texts on there, ha, 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 three times, one point, balls from various people. And then it dawned on me, the mic.
0: So you do get lost with that, right? Like you, you really – I mean, you know, and, and it's always been one of those things that I guess is is considered in all sports. I know that they bring it up in the rugby league as well. Like, um, you know, the refs are mic'd up and, and you sometimes hear the conversations between players. Same thing with you with fighters and stuff like that. Um, do you think it's, it's a good thing? Because I know it has been up for debate sometimes that really, you know um, – I know, as I say, this has gone more into the rugby league scene, but like the, you know, uh, people have said like we shouldn't really be micing the refs because you know there's there's stuff that's said in the heat of the moment, um, that maybe shouldn't you know be broadcasted out live. Like, how do you feel about micing up? Do you, do you see it being an issue? Do you not have an issue with it? Um, yeah, how
1: do you feel about the whole? I don't see it being an issue at all. Every every time we work UFC, we're mic'd up. And a handful of local gigs, we've been we've been mic'd up as well, so I'm kind of used to it now. But I do catch myself out sometimes when there's there's been a good shot or a good takedown, I catch myself going, Ooh, oh, did they hear that? Did they, did they hear that back at home? Right. Um, but I think it's a useful tool too. Uh, we were at the UFC Singapore, and I I had to disqualify a guy. My only disqualification in 541 fights, and I had to be on UFC. I'm like, come on! It was. Uh, four illegal elbows, uh, downward elbows to the back of the head. And Japanese guy couldn't, couldn't continue. And uh, it was a useful tool in, in, in such a way that the, the, the people at home could hear me say to the uh, translator and the fighter, can you continue to fight? And then I asked one more time. I said, I'll ask you one more time. Can you continue to fight? And he told his translator no. Translator told me no. And I said, that's it. Okay, it's over. And
0: and going back with the point deduction as well, I uh, as I say, like I asked Jimmy the same question, like how do you handle point deductions? Because I I find that a lot of the times, you know, you'll you'll see one fight, and there'll be one warning, and then it's a point deduction. Um, you see other fights where there's there's three warnings, you know. There's like how is there is. Is there a way, like, uh, and I guess just from an outsider's perspective, whether it's the crowd, like, you know, because as you say, there's a lot of keyboard worries and they're like, deduct a point or what are you doing or this or that. Like, how do you go about deducting points? Because obviously a lot rides on points, right? Um, and especially, I mean, I, I guess you can catch up in a title fight because you've got five rounds to kind of catch that point up. In a, in a three-round fight, a point probably means a lot more because... Sure right the the fight's shorter so for you to be able to catch that point up is is is
1: a lot harder but
0: yeah what are you what are you looking for before you i guess deduct points
1: for example if if uh someone's got you against the cage dennis and they're trying to take you down you your natural reaction is to reach for the cage to stop the fall right your fingers grab the cage your fingers fall out he take he takes you on down. Okay, you, you you haven't hindered his progress at all. Okay, you're going to get a warning for grabbing the cage like that. Now, if that guy's picked you up and you've grabbed the cage, and you know, I genuinely think that he could have completed that takedown, uh, you're in trouble.
0: So it's it's literally not on how many warnings. It's just, I guess. On well, I'll,
1: I'll I'll always I'll always give a couple couple of warnings. You've already been warned the first time when they've got when the, when the rules have been said to you. You've already been you've already been warned. Then i got going to warn you a couple more times, and then I get to the point where I say, "You do it again, I'm taking a point." So they 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 get it in their head now. Nine, nine times out of ten, they'll look at you and they'll they'll nod. And what's what's the most amount
0: of points you've ever had to take of someone? Has it always just been one point, or have you taken multiple points of someone in 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 a single fight? Just one.
1: Just one so far, I haven't had to take uh, multiple points off of, of fighters in, in in any fight as yet, okay. which which is good.
0: And uh, <coughs> let's go back to your um
1: your your first UFC
0: appearance. Okay. Um, you know we always like a little bit of controversy. Um. Uh, one ten. One ten. One ten. Um, and you got to do the uh, Stephen Bonner fight. Correct, and he was fighting Christoph, your twin, right? Is that is that my son? Yeah, I thought. <laughs> I think yeah, okay, and um, obviously that fight got stopped uh, yeah. from from a doctor's stoppage. From a doctor, um, yeah. but Stefan Bonner wasn't happy. He he, I guess he was calling you out on on it rather than the ref. What what were the circumstances around that?
1: It was a. It was a a glancing head clash. I was in good position in the fight. I wasn't in a good position to see that glancing head clash, um, which Joe Rogan repeatedly said it was from a strike, it was from a strike, and then it changed from a strike because they get to watch the replays, right? I haven't got six different camera angles. I haven't got slow motion. I I, I haven't got the action replay. We we make our decisions based on split-second movements, uh, split-second timing. We, we, we ain't got time. So I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see the accidental head clash. I actually thought it was from a strike. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of blood coming coming out of the thick of uh, Stefan Bonner's head to the point where the, when, when they were clinched up against the cage and, and Stefan was trying to take Kristoff down, when the crowd went quiet, I could hear the blood hitting the canvas. Eventually, I had, uh, when they separated, uh, I called the doctor in the checker. doctor said, uh, and that was the doctor's first... Uh, MMA event, so he'd never he'd never had to deal with MMA before. He's a really he's a really good doctor, uh, credit to him. He's done many events since then, and uh, he said no, nah, it's over. And I said it's over. He goes, yep. So I waved it off. And uh, Stefan was a little bit cross. He, he I think he got it was right in the thick of his thick of his hair here, and uh, he got three three stitches for it. Really, would I have stopped it today? Probably not.
0: Okay, and and. I guess. Have you spoken to Stefan
1: after that? He did. He did. He come up to another show, and I felt this big whack on the back. And he and he goes, uh, "Mr. Shazinsky," because he done a little. He done a little uh, advertisement with uh, Bass Rutten on that. Uh, what's that MMA show? Oh. Uh, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah get uh, on there. Yeah, and, and he said there was some. He said there was some controversy in my fight. You know, and I found out something. He said, here's the guy I fought. This is Kristoff. And then he holds up a photo of me. And the referee was Kristoff's father. And then he, he had me going across the camera. He said, even if i got to fly Kristoff's father all the way over to Vegas, I want to do it again. You know, and uh, he goes, did you like my little, my little film clip? And I said, "I said yes, mate, I did. I liked it. He, he, I, I go, are, are you still sore at me? He goes, nah, man, it's all business. And it uh, he, he was, he was good. Have you?
0: But on that, have you ever? I, I guess after an event, um, I mean, look at you—you're a bodybuilder, so I, I guess the answer is no. But have you ever, like, you know, had um, a worry that a fighter's going to lash out? Um, you know, I mean, we we know that the fans can be brutal sometimes, and you probably like had a couple of death threats here and there if their fighter didn't win or whatever. But once again, that's fans or whatever but have you ever like thought because you uh, do the officials stay at the same hotel as as the fighters nine times out of ten yes and so have you ever thought like oh geez i've got to go back to the hotel i know he's going to be looking out for me have you ever had one of
1: those kind no, of moments? I've ne- ne- never ever ever been concerned about that never i've never had a fighter approach me in the cage or get pushy shovey with me sometimes they get pushy shovey when they've been knocked out and they don't know, they still don't know where they're at they're out of it a little bit and uh, you forgive them for that because they, they don't know, they think they're still fighting, they're still trying to take you down sometimes, right? Uh, I, clin- I clinch up with them in that, in that circumstance and I get real close to them so they don't punch me and I don't end up on every fight real uh, for, for, for eternity. And uh, I'm talking to them the whole time, you're good, you're good, you're good. And by that time the, corn- the cornermans brought the stool in and I'm sitting them down I say, I want you to sit down now, the doctor's coming. You're good, you're good, you're good
0: yeah nice, and so you mentioned also um that you know you're not privy to six different cam- camera angles on the spot Correct. and um you know the slow motions and 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 so forth um this past weekend we had d c fight steep um, and there was an eye poke that wasn't seen and it's brought up a whole load of you know can of worms again now about what potentially could have happened, had that been seen, this and that, would it have changed the outcome of the fight, whatever. And um, I actually saw Luke Thomas uh, bring out a video where he talks about that maybe we should introduce a multi-ref system where he was saying that you would still have your main ref that calls the fights and everything, but you would have a secondary ref on the outside, whether he's sitting with the commentators or whatever, and he's got the screens, so he gets the replays, he gets the six camera angles. And the, the one thing I wasn't too sure, because I think he was saying like in between rounds, that ref is actually allowed to enter the cage and talk to the ref in the cage. But for instance, with the eye poke, you're not going to wait until the end of the round anyway. So I don't know what where you would go there unless maybe you're wearing an earpiece and that ref can relay some information to you. But just looking at other sports, and that's what he was kind of relaying it to, is like, you know, if you watch the NBA, you've got three uh, refs on the court, but then they still have a chance to stop play and go to the instant replay. Same with football. You've got the the bunker. Um, What do you think of an idea like that? Do you think that – I mean, granted, he did also mention that these sports – the reason you have multiple refs is because you've got a bigger surface area to to cover like you know basketball you've got 10 players on the field uh, on the court at any one time I mean rugby you've got the 26 players on the field at any one time so there's obviously you need more eyes because there is more action rather than just two people but do you find we need to start looking into something like having a secondary um I guess ref that helps the, the, the main ref in the cage uh, four instances as I say where, where a few things you know do get passed up or do you just think like um, look it is part of the sport like it it
1: sucks but it is what it is it sucks and it is a part of the sport and I don't think we need a secondary ref uh, you got people with funny ideas saying why don't we have five judges uh, why don't we make uh, half points and, and all this kind of stuff you know uh, the, the the refs that the UFC employ or or the commission employs, they, they, and and that that particular referee, uh, he, he's a very 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 experienced man, and uh, you know we we don't every, everything happens so quick, okay, very 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 quick. Uh, you, you you're not going to see everything, and you can't score, and you can't call what you can't see.
0: But you wouldn't want someone in your ear then, for instance, like, hey, John, the, the, there was an eye poke there or, you know, like you you wouldn't you, – you would actually vote against
1: having a system like that? I'd vote against having a system like that, yes. And your reasoning? My reasoning is uh, we do – I think we do a, a good enough job as it is, okay? There are just times when uh, we're human beings and we're not going to see everything. We, we can't be around that fighter. That, that 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 secondary referee might not might not see it either, you know. We we can't be in three hundred and sixty degrees around around the fighters. Uh, we, we we try and get on the open side all the time uh, and 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 uh, put ourselves in a position where we can see everything, but we're not always gonna get everything.
0: It's tough, you know. I mean, I I say the same once again, relating back to football now, and and it's like I sometimes feel like it takes the energy out of the sport having the instant replays. Um, when you have to, like, stop the game every time there's something and, you know, you kind of go through. And by the time, I guess, you you look at all the angles and see, yes, you've made the right call then, but it, it takes the energy out of the room, right? That's how I feel about it. Um, but I guess it's also, the, the, I mean, the classic the classic thing there is as well that a lot of people talk about that betting, right? That a lot of money is sometimes made or lost depending on these decisions as well. And that's why a lot of these top high-end sports have all these because they don't want to get the calls wrong because obviously it's influenced a lot of by the fact that people can bet on it, right? And, I mean, I, I'd admit I'd hate to put like a $20,000 $20, or thirty I mean, I'm never going to do that anyway. But, you know, put $30,000 in yeah. and it's like, John Sharp missed... missed this whatever it is and now I've lost that money rather than, than win or, or have a no contest or, or or anything like that actually speaking of which the, the Stefan Bonner one when he disputed it did it get overturned did it get made into a no contest do you know what ended up ended up happening with that
1: I can't, I can't remember what happened what happened with that they did get to fight again and Stefan Bonner uh, beat Kristoff okay nice and went on to fight I think another five or six more times And with, um,
0: I guess, rule sets as well, Um, you know, we we always talk about, um, I mean, in the States, it's the different commissions in each state. I kind of feel like it's the same here. Um, You know, Queensland, you don't need a book. New South Wales, you need a book. Uh, Even in New South Wales, you have different officials, like different organisations that officiate. Um, and I guess with that comes different rule sets. Um, I guess how do you feel about that? And also, you know, does it become confusing sometimes uh, for fighters, especially, but also for yourself as a ref? Like, oh, that's right. We're we're today we're refing under this rule set, or. How do you how do you feel about having all these different organizations? Um, like I get it, like having different promotions, I get that. Um, but like, do you, do you think there should be like one uniformed, I guess, um, officiating department, whether it's on a on a national level or a state
1: level? Yes, there should there should be no borders when it comes to MMA. You're fighting, uh, you're training a certain way in Sydney you got to go fight in Perth and now you go fight in Perth or Adelaide or or, or Melbourne and everything you've been training for has changed some uh, amateur shows allow allow standing knees to the head whereas I don't like to standing knees to the to the body only i think knees can be equally as devastating as, as, as elbows even 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 more so if you if you if you got a Muay Thai background or if you really know how to use them do you, do you find um, amateurs or pros harder to ref I think uh, amateurs are harder to ref okay there, there's there, there's more rules uh, first fight second fight there there's they're still a little bit still a little bit sloppy a little bit uh, clumsy if you would rush they rush into things you know if you if you haven't had to talk through an entire fight it's been a good fight that, that Does that ever happen? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. UFC. Yeah. All the time. There's high-level fighters. And, I mean, the tempo of uh, amateur and uh, professional local fights is like that. UFC is it's a lot faster. It's, it's, it's a whole nother, whole nother level.
0: Now, another thing I want to ask you about is um, you're there to protect the fighters. Yes. Cornermen. Should be there to protect their fighter. Correct. I had this discussion when I had Richie on, um, which is another one of your lookalikes. Um, but where where do you find it's a cornerman's job to potentially call a fight compared to um, a ref's uh, you know time to call a fight? And I, I remember with Richie, the the example I brought up was the Anthony Smith fight. And, you know, he he came out strong in the first round. He won that first round. But then I guess his gas tank just um, blew out. Um, The rest of the fight, I think Rogan or whoever was on commentary were kind of saying, I think out of the the last four rounds, three of them were even ten eight rounds. Like, he was getting getting brutally beat uh, to the point where he was picking up teeth off the canvas, handing it to the ref. The ref was grabbing them, putting them in the pocket, even going to the corner in between rounds saying, I'm losing my teeth. And as I say, I know you always want to give your, your fighter the opportunity to fight back, to win that fight. Um, in, in my eyes, the problem there was it wasn't even close anymore. It, it, it was a point of where he was just taking damage for the sake of taking damage. And, and, and it's sad to see because I, I sometimes say like, you know, and, and I relate it back to the Loyola-McDonald uh, fight where awesome fight to watch. It was so entertaining. But I don't think Rory McDonald ever came back after that the same right, sometimes you do take the soul out of these fighters by by putting them through that punishment. And, I mean, we haven't seen Smith come back since, so he could be fine, but he may not be the same fighter, you know. And when you think, you know, a couple of fights before that, he was fighting for the title, and all of a sudden he got this belting put onto him. In cases like that, do you think the corner should be throwing in the towel? Or, or is it on... I guess, the ref to say, look, he's handing me his teeth. Like, I've got to call this. like, Because I, I just find one way or another that fight, me personally, I think that fight should have been stopped. Maybe not in the second round, give him another round. But as I said, like, once you're getting these 10-8, 10-8, 10-8 rounds and, as I say, it's not even close anymore, I just think that someone should have pulled the pin. And I know Anthony came out afterwards and he said, my corner knows that if they throw in the towel, they're no longer my corner. Once again, like, dude, like, they just want to see you live. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it's an unforgiving sport. Um, yeah, so where do you stand with that? Like, where, where do you find it's the, the the ref's obligation to stop a fight and where do you find it's the corner's obligation to
1: stop a fight? In 14 years of, of, of reffing, I've seen the towel thrown in once in, in in all that time. There's been many, many other opportunities where it probably should have been thrown in. For me, as a referee, if the fighter is still responding safely to my commands, uh, the the fight goes on. Yeah, right. Um,
0: but do you, do you then find moments like that that the corners should be stepping in? Like, do you, do you think it is a problem that we have that corners are reluctant to throw in the towel? Um, you know, I, I always say I find it funny, and I'm not saying that boxing throwing the towel, you know, every every fight, but. I always talk about that in boxing, you do see the towel being thrown in a lot more. Um, I even read an article, it could be because they are fighting in a ring and it's easy to throw a towel into the ring than over the cage, Um, which I don't know if that's got any ground or anything. But do you you find it that, you know, it's kind of weird that, as I say, like with boxing, to recover from a loss is a longer road than recovering from a loss in MMA yet in boxing the coaches are throwing in the towels a lot sooner than they do in MMA do you do you, do you agree with that one and two why do you think we are so reluctant I mean as you say in, in 14 years 15 years you've only seen it happen once like why why do you think that is the case
1: I think because the fighters threaten their team before the show don't you dare throw that towel in there i've heard it i've heard it in the change rooms don't you dare throw the towel in don't you dare throw the towel in
0: but there's got to be a point that even though they say that there's there's got to be a point like i mean it's, i get it like it's it's that let me go out on the shield but you know what i mean like we're, we're not talking about a tennis match where Ah, we'll, we'll just play again next time, you know. Like we're, we're, we're talking about a sport that if you take enough head trauma or enough, you know, damage, as I say, you're not going to come back the same way. And even once you retire, there's there's long-lasting effects. Like, so at what point do you go, okay, yep, you've threatened me with that, but I'm going to do what's
1: my duty of care, I guess. i don't know what goes <laughs> i don't know what goes on in their minds you know it's a fighter's mind i'm not a fighter uh I, I don't know i don't know how they think and i think if i was a fighter i'd be i'd be telling them the same thing you know don't you dare throw that towel in. It's kind of the uh the, maybe it's their, their their last their last crack at it and they um they, they, they want to make a, a, a go of it um I, don't know. I mean, to that point, we even
0: had uh, a, a month or so back, we had another fight. Uh, I forgot what his surname was. Uh, young kid, Max. And in between rounds, he actually was asking his coach. "He's like, I'm done. And his coach was like, no, you're not. He's like, I'm done. And literally he said it nine times and his coach still sent him out, right? And he ended up losing in the next round um, and he's since been released by the UFC. But... Uh, even that, I found boggling that your fighters just... And and he took that fight on short notice, so whatever it was, like, he, he might have run out of gas, he might have whatever, but because whatever reason is, he was like, I am done, and he's be- not begging his coach, but he's basically telling his coach, call this fight, and the
1: coach is like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I've, I've, I've caught more flack from cornermen than fighters when I've stopped the fight. F- the fighter, he's, uh, he's not complaining that it was... Stopped early or whatever the cornerman thing. The cornerman come running in, abusing you, saying you stopped it too early. Yeah, but the fighter's not complaining because he was the one getting punched in the head, not you. Okay. They want to uh, oh, ref to fight uh, Anthony Perosh versus Nick Pena, and uh, Nick Pena was in the fetal position. Anthony's just uh, he's when Anthony punches, he's like a robot. Donk, donk, donk donk, donk, and I could hear the punches and I could feel the punches through the canvas through my feet. Now, the 10-second clapper had gone off. I'm not counting down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. I'm watching the fight. I'm watching for safety. With one second to go, I underhooked Anthony's arm and waved it off. Nick Penner's corner come in, uh, all abusive and stuff. There was only one second left to go. And I'm not not counting the seconds, okay? I'm watching for safety, okay? uh, It was done
0: which i respect and and i guess that that takes us back to uh cruz's last fight as well um you know he kind of felt like the 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 fight got stopped early because he was getting up and and so and and i have to say i was one of those people that was kind of going you know what with two seconds to go i probably would have let that fight go um just purely because there was two seconds and and there was a title on the line, and uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the same question, ask Jimmy, do you, because there is sometimes talk about that, you know, depending on what's on the line, you'll allow certain things to go a little longer. Is that the case? Like, so, for instance, like, I'm on the prelims, three-round fight, I take four unanswered shots, you call the fight. Now we're at the main event, it's for a title. Do you allow that four, four unanswered shots to maybe be eight unanswered shots or are you still going to call it up four unanswered shots how how does that do you do you give a little bit more leeway to i guess a the main event and two if there is a title on the line like do you do you allow it to go a little longer
1: no no it's the same fight's a fight whether it's for a title or whether it's the undercard or whether it's an amateur fight fight's a fight okay and when it's uh, no longer safe to continue or you're not intelligently defending yourself the fight's over
0: and with the uh, defending yourself, like, what are you looking for there? Is it just that they're coherent? So if you, if you say, you know, do something that they just react to that or, you know, when, when you say that they're defending yourself, like, I mean, if I'm covered up like this, but I'm crouched down in the ball, is that defending yourself? Like, what what are you looking for when, when you're talking to these fighters?
1: Lay laying lay there and just, just covering your face is not intelligently defending yourself okay i'm gonna ask you to fight back and i say that in the the change rooms i said uh, my final commands are uh, fight back fight back fight back do something to prove to me that you want to be there like laying there covering up covering your face is not intelligently defending yourself okay
0: and what if they're like giving you the little
1: thumbs up is that (laughs) is that enough Uh, well in the in the in the in a in a in a guillotine yeah. position where I, where I can't see their face. I'll always ask the fighter, okay, give me a little thumbs up if it's safe to do so, okay? If I pull on your wrist a little bit, offer me a little bit of resistance so I know you're still in the fight. And this is what I tell them backstage, I said, but if I pick your hand up and it hits the mat, the fight's over.
0: And has there ever been any moments that you, you kind of had to have a chuckle to yourself? I asked Jimmy as well. He gave me a behind-the-scenes stories where someone was just like, let me die in the cage. But, you know, like... Has there ever been a moment in the cage where you've like had a fighter talk back to you? Or like, um, for me, the one that comes to mind is when Khabib was, I think, beaten on uh, Michael Johnson, and he was like, "You, Dana, let's talk." You know, like, and you, and, and you know, as I say, you as a viewer, you actually have a little bit of a chuckle. Has there ever been moments like that in the cage where, like, you know, you've said something to a fighter and they've responded with something quirky or, 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 or even like. I guess that they're talking to each other and you've just been privy to that. Have there, any, have there ever been any moments like that? There,
1: there's, there's, there's often funny moments in the cage, okay? Whether it's the fighters talking or you hear something in the crowd. I think it was uh, uh, Philippou versus uh, it was UFC FX6 in Sydney. Um, it was the guy with the beard. Okay. Court, Court McGee? Court McGee. And I think he's coming back. Court McGee versus Philippou. Anyway, it was, uh, it was an awesome fight. Three, three, three five-minute rounds uh, went, to a, went to a decision to Philippou. And uh, the crowd died down. And just at the precise moment, somebody yells out in the crowd, You can do it! And they, both fighters smiled. I smiled. You just, you just, I, I tried, tried to hide the smile, but you, you can't help it. the crowd went off. It was funny stuff.
0: And so obviously now as well, the, the other thing is um, you've got a uh, relationship with Richard Crony. Um, I, I remember you you used to come into a lot of the series to give, you know, all, all these um, amateurs a little talking about, Correct. you know. Where do you think our amateur scene is at the moment, um, you know? Um, and, and I guess what, what is your relationship with, apart from being – Long lost twin brothers. Um, what what is your relationship with Richard Cranny?
1: Yeah, we we we're still good. He's just busy doing. He's busy doing what what Richie's doing, trying trying to trying to build up the uh, the, the the amateurs in this country. You know, I think we need a decent stepping stone for for, for amateurs in this country. Um, we don't really have one apart from Richie and the Winter Warriors series. You know, I used to turn up at four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and uh, come come uh, hit. Have a pat around and, and roll around with the with the contestants and uh, with most of them not knowing who I am or that I'll be ref the show and then we have a they had they had an opportunity for a for for and A Q&A at, at, at the end of it and I try and make them feel as comfortable as they can you know I want them I want them to enjoy the experience and maybe come back again and do it again do it again someday as far as uh, Richie goes uh, th- yeah he's good. We, uh, we we catch we catch up around the cage uh, from time to time, you know. And what's your favorite fight? My favorite fight. That's easy. Uh, Damian Brown versus Frank Camacho. I mean, wow! They got to the cent, you know, the ten second clapper. They got to the 10-second clapper, and they looked at each other, and they said, "Let's go." And I was hesitant to to, to put my arm in there. Right, they're just banging. Oh, 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 oh. finally I get in there. We get clipped every now and then, but what a fight. And uh, I don't know why they let Damien Brown go. He's a, he's, a, he's an awesome fighter, you know.
0: So, and talking about getting clipped, have you ever gotten clipped? Like, as in, like, have you ever, like, left the cage afterwards and gone, I need a nice pack now or something? Like, has there ever been a moment where you have actually intervened, I guess, not at the wrong time because you have to stop it when the fight's stopping, but
1: like, you know, just out of sheer bad luck. We get accidentally kicked, stepped on, elbowed, clipped when, you, when, when, when you're going in to, to, to stop a fight. Uh, sometimes you nearly, get, you nearly get knocked over. Um, Eric, you know a fighter called Eric Prendle? He's a monstrous man. Okay, I refed him uh, against another American guy in Singapore. And uh, the American guy uh, had the mount on Eric Prendel and he's dropping punches down. I had to go in and stop the fight and one of them clipped the back of my ear on the way in and I had to brush that shit off real quick because for, for the cameras. But, uh, yeah, he made my head ring. And going back to the favourite fight, what's your
0: favourite fight that you haven't been a part of? Like, say someone, um, you know, new to the sport or they've, they've heard about it and they just... You know, what's one fight that you would go watch this fight and tell me you didn't enjoy it? Like, what
1: what fight does it for you? UFC seventy nine. Okay, uh, I think it was uh, Chuck Liddell versus Wanderlei uh, Silva. That was my favorite fight, I think of of, of all time. And why is that? Look at those guys, they're awesome. You know, they've been around a long, long time. It was, it was a fantastic fight.
0: Yeah, Vanderlei Silva's been in a few, right? Like, I mean, you definitely get a few fighters like that because I, I remember, I mean, going with Vanderlei Silva, one of my favourite fights of his was um, against Stan. Uh, I thought, Brian Stan, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. that, <laughs> you know, they both had their moments, but that was just, I mean, when you're talking about uh, Damien Brown going, let's go in the last 10 seconds, I kind of feel like, when Vandalay and, and Brian Stan went at it, it was just from the first belt. They just, like, met in the middle. And
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do remember that fight very well. And I've, wor- I've worked with uh, Brian Stan, him as, as a commentator on a, on a few shows. Lo- lo- lovely bloke. Um, Yeah, Vandalay. Probably one of the most entertaining fighters we've we've ever seen. But um, when, when do you also
0: think is the right time to kind of leave? Because... You know, like you see a lot of these fighters talking about retirement, coming back out of retirement. Um, you know, I mean, some some people do it really smart. I think Khabib's going to do it really smart. He, he's going to end up on top. I mean, DC's had a good. I, I, I'm amazed that he's been able to go as long as he has. Um, but then you see other guys that you just like, dude, you you need to to kind of like, you know, drop the towel because it, it, it's sad to see sometimes the, these guys kind of like diminish diminish a little bit, and, and as I say, you've got a life after the sport, especially because it is a sport that majority of these guys retire at an earlier stage, right? It's not like you're going to go to the 60 or 70 and then s- right off into the sunset. Usually, like, a lot of these guys are done, 35, DC, 42, but you still got, like, a good 40 years of
1: your life, you know? Um, Randy, Randy, Couture, Randy Couture fought his last fight at 48 Forty-eight years old, I think it was forty-eight. That's not bad. I don't think any man should be told he needs to retire. As I say, I work with a lot of guys who talk like to talk to me about the fights, and uh, I try not to engage in chat about the fights so much. And they say, "Oh, this one should retire, and that one should retire." And I say to him, "You should retire." I see them, "They said why?" I said, "Because I said." No no fighter wants to retire, not in his heart. I'm 48 years old and I still feel like I'm 25 inside and, and, and we, we all feel younger and want to feel younger than, than what we do. We remember the guy that we used to be, not, not, not the guy that we are. Now, you can't tell a guy to retire. I think, I, I think that's horrible.
0: I, I think, though, like, and, I mean, we don't see it so much with the MMA guys, but as they always say, it's because MMA is such a young sport but, you know, sometimes when you see some of these boxes that have really had a lot of head trauma over time, like you kind of, yeah. you know, and even to the point, like, I don't know, the last um, Chuck and Tito fight, like I kind of go, did that really have to happen? You know what I mean? And, I mean, I don't know how old are those guys? Like if we're talking about Randy being 40, I don't even know how, how old. I mean, Tito's kind of active still, I guess. But Chuck came out of retirement to take that fight, and I just kind of, I, I kind of sit back and I say, why? Like you're already beating twice. Like why? Like
1: what, what, what have you got? Oh, really? I, I, I admire them for wanting to come out and have another go and show that they've still got it. Not, not just for everybody in the world. They, they still want to see that they've got it themselves. You know, I still got this. You know. I guess
0: so. Um, yeah. As, as I say, I just think that there's some smart people. I think. Uh, even GSP, you know, like, yeah. I mean, they're trying to get him back. They try- and, he, and he did really well against Michael Bisbing. He came back, he won the belt. But I, I think he just knows. He's just like, and I, I don't get me wrong, I think GSP could still be competitive at this this very point in time. But I just, I think to him, he's just like, I'd rather ride off into the sunset healthy. And I think that's Khabib's kind of motion too, because he's like, I've got two more fights and I'm I'm pretty much done. Um you know where other guys, as I say, they'll keep coming back, uh, and then they try these things. Like Sanchez is is one that that to me rings a bell. You know, now he's got this spiritual coach or whatever, and 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 it's like, once again, he's been in some of my favorite fights, Diego. Right, like he's fighting
1: Jake Matthews in September.
0: Right, some of my favorite fights because you just know he's gonna he's gonna go out there and and. You know, give it all. So as as a fan, and this is what I mean. As a fan, fight away because, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, We were talking before, Dan Hardy. Yes. Really entertaining fighter. He could have probably gone a lot longer, you know? Yeah. But he's gone, you know what? He does commentary now. He's, he's still very passionate about the sport. He's doing all this, but he's like, I don't need to take that kind of damage anymore, you know? Um, and 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 I guess that's just where it is w- with me is just like I look at some of the and, and I guess it depends on how that person's career's gone. Like if they have had these wars every single fight of their career, I, I kind of feel like, you know, you you've got to throw it in a lot earlier than someone who is very technical and they point it out and whatever and and obviously they then they can continue a little while longer. I'm just saying like, you know, when even when you talk about the NFL in the States, and they talk about all this head trauma as well and, and the long-lasting effects after you've retired. And I just sometimes look and I'm like, you know, when is it time to hang up the gloves? I don't know.
1: Well, I, 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 I bought a DVD called The Hurt Business. You, you've heard of The Hurt Business? Okay. And I encourage every young aspiring fighter to go and watch this DVD before you even think about it stepping into a ring or a cage okay this 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 stuff isn't for everyone you know it all looks glamorous on tv you see somebody's hand getting raised in victory and it's all beautiful you didn't see the weight cuts you didn't you didn't see the the limited amount of calories they had to have you didn't see the you didn't see the sauna trips you didn't see see the 6am road runs and uh, i think out of uh, every 100 people if you ask them to do that maybe one or two would succeed the rest had quit after the first week you wouldn't do what these people do
0: and i think exactly that i think seeing it and feeling it are two different things yeah um you know i can speak from experience um as as i said to it was jimmy yeah you know like i was like yeah touch gloves let's dance for a little bit you know we'll, so we'll jimmy quit. jimmy was your referee right he was my referee yeah. And, yeah. and 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 and, you know, they always talk about visualisation. Rich is very big on that, like visualise, visualise, visualise. Yeah. And, you know, I as I said, I had a hundred scenarios. It's going to go to the ground. It's going to be standing. I'm going to throw a few leg kicks. I'm going to do this, whatever. Like, um, but every every moment was touch the gloves, step back again and do a little dance, you know? Like, yeah we're putting on a show for family and friends you know like no. <laughs> we're, we're, you know what i mean and 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 um you know granted coach Mick said said to my opponent cuz he was actually going against me he said be first and be hard and my coach has never said that so i was still going in with the whole intention where he his number one thing was i like touch and i'm go- cuz we did agree to touch so and i'll i'll grant that to him like it wasn't dirty it was just i didn't expect it Right. So I never once will say he did dirt there because sometimes you
1: do see people always, always expect it. It's a fight, right? You know,
0: but sometimes you do see people they kind of put it up and they'll move it back last minute and throw a kick or whatever. And you kind of go, all right, well, yes, a fight's a fight. And usually the ref will say, if you want to touch gloves, touch them now before the fight begins. But, you know, some people do use that kind of thing. But, and I'm not saying that with my opponent, it was just never what I had visualized. And so, and then to get hit with those four ounce gloves when we've been sparring with sixteen ounce gloves and stuff, and once again you, you you're sparring at sixty percent, and all of a sudden he's throwing every every you know ounce of strength he has behind that shot, and because I wasn't ready to defend because I wasn't expecting it, it was a clean shot, like it was square in the face, right? Like, and and I was seeing stars. I was like, this shit hurts, it, doesn't it, mate? And. <laughs> And as I say, like, you're there, you're like, what have I got myself into? Like, it really is, you know? And and as I say, leading up to that event, like, it really was. Like, I was like, yeah, this is going to be mad, you know? I'm going to have friends and family, like, the lights are on, my music's going to play. Like, <laughs> even backstage, I was cu- uh, cool as a cucumber. I remember backstage, I had my music on, you know, people would come up, I'd be dancing, like... Because I... Because the same thing, I was like, I've sparred with this guy as well, like... But once again, it's a different... It, even from sparring it's totally different right because the intent isn't there right when you're sparring you you you're sharpening your skills you're doing all this but there's no intention to hurt that person right but as soon as you step in well i didn't have intent to hurt him but he obviously had an intent to hurt me right but i could i could i couldn't do it it's it's tough man and and i just remember i was like get me out of here Get me out of here, and then and then it got to a point where he hit me with a couple of legal strikes, and Jimmy stopped the fight. Um, well, he gave us the break; he didn't stop it. And I remember I was like, "Mate, do I take it? Do I just take this as the illegal shot and I'm done?" You know. Yeah. Um, but then you know you hear everyone cheering and this and that.
1: So you're thinking about quitting.
0: Yeah. I. I I'll be honest, I, yeah. I was right because yeah. I mean, until that point, until that point, I don't even think I landed a shot. I really don't. Like, and and as I say, like the the sensation it gave me, like, was he hit me with that first shot? Yeah. All of a sudden, the way I describe it was it was like a vacuum, right? So, you've got the crown, you've got everything. That shot lands. All of a sudden, is like. I couldn't hear anymore, right? I didn't even realize we were in an arena anymore. I could still see my opponent, but it was uh, I, I guess what I what it was it was like a survival instinct. Yeah, right? It was like boom, like focus on him. I didn't even see Jimmy anymore. Like Jimmy wasn't in the cage with us. It was me and him. But I was like what just hit me? What just hit me? What just hit me? And by the time my head was starting to clear up, he'd landed another shot and another shot. So it was a con- a, it was a a constant um, trying to catch up like my mind was trying to catch up like where am i what is going on douche what 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 just hit me boom another you know and it just felt like i was i was i don't know in a in a dodging cars arena and it was really confusing and as i say and then the the shots the the illegal shots landed and there was one moment of me just going i've bitten off more than i can chew right and i've got richie yelling at me going take your time take your time and you know it was at that moment that I wanted to quit or uh, I, I will say and and it was because like I was like, well, once again, do I just want to take this damage? you know like at the end of the day, I was like, is it worth taking this damage and and I honestly was telling myself, no, like you know, like you haven't even landed a shot, yeah I I, I I not even landed a shot, I don't even think I threw a shot. Like, let's put it that way. I I think the whole time I was just trying to miss whatever was coming because, as I said, I was trying to clear my head. But then, uh, whether you call it peer pressure or whatever, I don't know, you you hear your friends and your family cheer and stuff like that and you're like, oh, I can't go out like this, right? And this is, I guess, this whole, like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on my shield, right? Like, um, And that's why I kind of asked Jimmy as well why he didn't call that fight because me, personally, if I was in there... I might have called it, like, and it was just because I didn't feel I was doing all too well. I just didn't feel that, right? But he said, look, every time I asked you to do something, you did it, and and I knew you were still in it, you know? Um, and I appreciate that fact, and, and that's why I say, like, being a ref is a very hard um, job in the sense of, I mean, when you're talking about the pros, you're talking about livelihoods you're talking about money right but even in that case like me i'm the first person to say if i was the ref of my fight i probably would have called it he was smart enough not to call it and he's now given me one of the best memories of my life right Right. like where i would have robbed myself of that of that feeling that sensation right um and i guess because i see a lot of these other amateur fights and i said to him i said they get caught they get called early or earlier than pros, right? And yep. I get it, because they're not used to taking that damage. But as I said, the first two and a half minutes, I wasn't even throwing a shot. I I just wasn't throwing. I was covering up. I was maybe running a little. I don't know. I was doing whatever I needed to do to try to avoid getting hit again. But it's a it's, a, it's a blur
1: to you now, right?
0: No, I, I remember it quite remember well. the whole thing? I, I remember it quite well. Um, Even to the point then, when I was able to lock off that submission, talking about the vacuum, it was so weird. Like... So, obviously, um, my whole plan was to tire him out and, you know, I'd spoken to Tiago, my coach, and I wanted to get him with the Anaconda. That was always the plan. So, yeah, I cool. had I had drilled that quite a bit. So, once I had that locked in, I was like, all right, I've got this, right? Um, but it was weird because then when Jimmy obviously pulled me off and I feel bad for him now too because it was with 14 seconds to go in the round and you kind of go, oh, maybe you could have held on for 14 seconds, you know, like yeah, yeah. before tapping. But I mean, it is what it is like. Um, but I just remember at the time it was a blur because I was in that vacuum that I talk about, yeah. right, where I couldn't hear anything. Like, And as I said, Jimmy wasn't even in the cage. Jimmy came back in the cage when he was pulling me off the guy, right? And the same way all that noise disappeared, it came back but it came back like a tidal wave right like that's literally the sensation i got it was like it went from this deafening and then all of a sudden i could hear the cheers and stuff just this is you know and then the adrenaline kicks in and i ran around the cage oh, yeah, like i ma- making a fool of myself or whatever but like it, it at you know because i uh, you know looking back on it like you know maybe i shouldn't been running around because it wasn't the best performance either but it, the adrenaline kicks in and, and it is what it is. But as I say, like, it is a hard job because I'd be the first person to admit that, stop the fight, ref, what are you doing, what are you doing? But then now I appreciate the fact he didn't, you know, and he made the right call. It's a tough gig. You know, it it It, it really, can be a
1: tough gig at times.
0: You know, and, and I, I think people need to realise that sometimes, um, that, you know, you, you're not making these calls because you want to let someone down or whatever. And as I say in the pros, it's even more so, especially the way the pay structure's been, you know, for years, where it's like you're literally halving a guy's pay packet if you make the wrong decision. Correct. Right. And, you know, whether they're on a 10-10 contract, I mean, you know, or if they're on a, on a 80-80, 200-200, I mean, we're talking we're talking
1: I'm not, I'm not. I'm not on the local circuit. There's, there's there's no there's no money in this sport. I don't think, uh, and uh, you know the the cage fighting championships run by Luke Pizzuti was the stepping stone to to, to UFC. You know these guys weren't fighting for much. You know, uh, I, I heard five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars being thrown around. It wasn't much, and then the the, the uh, newer guys sometimes three hundred dollars for what they put in. Or it, it wasn't much. We we we. We refereed for free for the first four years, man, uh, until the Combat Sporting Authority sort of uh, came around and uh, we started getting $165 to, to, to ref a full pro show. And then they'd rotate us between judging, timekeeping, refereeing, patting down, massing, and all this all this kind of stuff. So by the time I go from Western Sydney to North Sydney, okay, I've got to go through all those tolls, food petrol, all that stuff, $165 isn't a lot. And most of the fighters aren't getting paid either. right?
0: And as I say, the camps cost money and stuff like that. So Everything. It's, it, it's, it's so like you are doing it for the love. So on that point, if your kids said they wanted to fight, what would your response be?
1: Well, my son has grown up seeing me heavily involved in the sport and he's always said, I want to fight, I want to fight, I want to fight. I took my son to a brace show, Canberra, and I said, uh, I need you, to, need you to work the cage door, and I need you to, need you to mop blood and stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, no worries. And I said, uh, so you're out the back, and I had one guy taping blue corner, and had my son taping in red corner. And I said, I want you to watch this properly, and I want you to see how they treat the guys that win, and how they treat the guys that don't win. And uh, on the way, on the drive back from Canberra back to home, he said it was a uh, very somber being in the room of the guy that, or the girl that didn't make it that day. And I said, "So you got to be prepared to take a loss as just as humble as you can as you can take a win." And I said, "And no, you never fight." As they would say over my dead body. So yeah, he, I, was, I, was, I said go 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 do something cool. Go go uh, go chase girls or or uh, do something like that. I said this sport isn't for everybody, and and I think I read it once or I heard it once. And you were talking about your your own experience in the cage. It's a very unnatural thing to walk into a cage and have the door shut behind you and fight somebody. And me personally, I couldn't walk across that cage and punch someone in the head. I'd I'd have to get punched a couple of times before I go. Oh, I bet. I better do something, you know. But I could not walk across there and just punch somebody. Couldn't do it. It even feels unnatural for me to be in there sometimes. But uh, even the biggest UFC shows, like the stadium shows in Melbourne and stuff, uh, I think that I explained it to Jimmy many, many years ago when we first met about how, how I, I I look at refereeing and uh, the cage is my backyard. I'm I'm the father. They're my children, and they will behave. Nothing exists outside of that cage, just just myself and the two fighters. That's all that matters. I don't listen to the corners, the influence of the corners, the corners trying to get early stand-ups and, and, and uh, separating them from dominant positions and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're, they're cheeky and they'll, 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 uh, they'll, they'll try their luck. I don't listen to the comments from the, uh, from the crowd because most of the comments from the crowd are pretty shitty anyway. Um, You've got half the crowd yelling out, stand them up when they're in mount. Or, or back control or side control you know these are dominant positions guys we don't we don't stand them up from there, okay
0: which I always find weird because I say like if you just want sta- to uh, have a stand up fight, go watch kickboxing, go watch kickboxing like yeah. right you're, you're you're in the wrong arena it's like going it's it's like going um to a netball game and asking them to dribble the ball right like yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like you're at, you're in the wrong sport like if you don't want the wrestling or whatever and you don't appreciate that yeah there's stand-up, there's stand-up, Muay Thai, kickboxing, Thai boxing, whatever it is, like, go down that route. Well, be, like, be,
1: be, being a jiu-jitsu guy myself, you know, okay, the stand-up's cool and stuff, but it's uh, when I know. Uh, I refereed uh, Hatsu Hatsu Hioki uh, versus uh, Charles Oliveira. So as soon as it went to the ground, I'm like, I'm getting excited because I know, I know these two guys are pretty wicked on the ground and uh yeah charles, charles subbed uh hatsu it was uh, quite a good fight but that's when i get excited when when things hit the ground because that's when things get technical and that's uh, a lot of things happen on the ground that the crowd can't see not even on the big screen i can see him going for sneaky stuff and uh there's often times where i want to say stop do that again i want to see it you know
0: <laughs> where, where where's that instant replay
1: <laughs> yeah 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 I want i want to learn that stuff um so i guess
0: we're going to wrap it up anyway um the 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 last thing i'll kind of ask before we get out of here is like where do you find um that the state of mma is right now um obviously being around for the last 15 years it's come a long way it's probably still got a long ways to go but how how do you how do you feel you know the the mma scene is now um and i mean that you know Obviously, we're, I guess we're getting more skilled fighters in the sense of you know, whether they're starting at a younger age or even to the point before they always had like one discipline put up against another discipline where now you're seeing this
1: new breed of MMA but fighters. This, is, this game is evolving all the time. It evolves as fast as a technology in a motor car and there's not one single time where I referee in a cage where I see something new and I get that wow, wow factor. Jeez, did that just happen? Did, did I blink? That was that was really really cool. So it it evolves, and therefore we we must have evolved with it. These kids are coming out with new tricks all the time, all the time.
0: And do you like where it's headed? Obviously, I mean, look. Granted, as you're saying, fighters don't get paid that much to begin with, and and 15 years ago, I guess even at the highest level, they weren't getting paid much. Where now, some of these guys. Whether it's your McGregor's, your Ronda Rousey, they they've made millions, right? What, what but with that also comes that what I've noticed is back in the day it was more about respect and honor. When now a lot of this showmanship comes out too. Um what are your what are your thoughts on that? Are you a fan or not a fan, but you understand why they're doing it? Like how do you feel about that kind of shift?
1: Any publicity, good or bad, is is good publicity, right? Okay, um, I think there's still a, a, a ton of honour in the, on, in, in the, in the sport. Yeah, some shit-talking going on, but that's, uh, you know, I, I, I ride to and from the events in the same buses as the fighters, okay? And you see the two guys that will just shit-talking one another, then they fight, and then they're both sitting beside each other on the bus, back to the hotel, it's all entertainment, it's, it's, it's business.
0: But obviously sometimes they did cross the line, could be a conner. Right, where oh yeah, the the whole trolley through the window, and then also like bringing religion, family, and all that into it, to the point where then Kabib exploded, as we all know, jumped over the cage, and yeah, well, oh, oh, but at the end of the day, it also made him millions, right? Like that's what I'm saying. Like at what point do you like go, you know, yeah, it's it's disrespectful, like talking about, I guess, Kabib's wife in in a certain manner, but on the same token, Kabib ain't complaining when he brings home. The millions that he made out of that fight you know like um, I don't know like I I do find that there are barriers and I I think sometimes those barriers do get crossed a little but I also understand it because as I say as a fighter you don't have a long lifespan in in the career and for that first part of the career you're fighting for the love of it you're not making anything as you've just mentioned so it's really like when you look at that window, you have probably got five, maybe ten years where you've got to bring a lifetime worth
1: of money in. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so definitely. But slagging out uh, anybody, slagging out anybody's religion or, or or family or country or anything like that, just to antagonize them in the fighting, I think that, that that's uh, the problems with them, not 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 their opponent. You know you got a real problem if you've got to slag out somebody's religion, country, family. Um,
0: yeah, and it's all about showmanship, getting under their skin, and, you know, maybe maybe you'll deduct a point one time. <laughs> 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 hey, you shouldn't be saying that one point. <laughs> one, one point. point. <laughs> Balls. Balls, that's it. <laughs> that's for you, Howie. But, but on that note, we are going to wrap it up. Um, for people that want to reach out, I know you're not big on social medias, um, but... You know, if people do want to reach out to you, what's what's the best way of them getting in contact with you?
1: Well, I've just recently got uh, Facebook. I never, never. Oh, I think I had Facebook back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Didn't know what to do with it, shut it down. But I've recently got it because I, got, I got grandchildren now, and uh, yeah, Facebook. Just look up uh, John Sharp. It'll be a picture of the back of me and a shotgun shooting clay targets. Well, there
0: we have it. Um, as I said, this was a first because I've never really had um, so many people request a guest. Uh, and look, it was a good thing for me as well, because it means that people are actually tuning in, which I didn't know until they finally went, oh, you got to get this person on, you got to get this person on. But I, I, I do appreciate your time. We we have probably gone a little over to what we normally do. But um Look, I I hope we see you in the cage soon. As I said, a lot of people were disappointed um, to hear that you had retired, which we've now cleared the air. He is back, and not just for the UFC, he is back on the national circuit. So um, especially for those fighters that um, reached out saying I should get you on, they can look forward to uh, seeing you probably being official to one of their fights. And on that note, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for tuning in.
1: I'm a one I'm a one